It very well could. I'm just looking at uh, the articles. Um, of Confederation? No, nah, not those ones. Um, too old. <laughs> <laughs> old things are boring. I'm young. Uh, that sounds like ageism, which is a different show's topic. <laughs> and not something I um, hope I practice terribly often. I think you're referring to episode number 2127. Remember when we were young? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> the one about ageism? The future. Okay. So, Max, what shall we talk about? <laughs> I think we should talk about work-life balance. You are listening to Priority. A podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, There Is No School Day. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 19. Um, yes, that. A week or two ago, I'm now forgetting if it was in the last episode or the one before, but pretty recently, you made a passing reference to work-life balance, and um, if memory serves, there was almost kind of a, a um, I don't know if I'd call it a sneering, but uh, a, a sort of dismissiveness of the term and the way it's usually used, and I don't know, just, mm. just some sort of general disdain or, or disrespect for it mm-hmm. on your part. So um, I, I think the, before anything else, I'd like to dive into that a little bit sure. and, and just get your take and, you know, what was what was inspiring the negativity towards the the, um, the term, if not <laughs> the concept. Ah, oh, that's funny. You know, when you brought that up, I couldn't think of what you were talking about, um, but no, when you described the emotion attached to it, I remember, and I can't remember what caused it either. Um, I think it was because I was talking about an issue that would fall into that conversation that we're going to explore today. Um, Mm -hmm. but whatever it was, I was hesitant to use that phrase because, well, um, I think like a number of conversations, if you label it, um, with a certain term, even if that term is accurate, some people, uh, have so many emotions attached to that phrase that they mm-hmm. might more easily dismiss your concern. Right. So it's, yeah. it's like, it's like, um, uh, uh, if, if any of the listeners can't draw an example immediately, it's like the way that even though it is usually the right term, well, I shouldn't say usually it is often the right term. If you drop the word feminist into conversation, yes, yes. it immediately draws lines and sides. And mm-hmm. no, that's exactly yeah. the example I was going to bring up. Um, because I've, talked about that a lot with colleagues um, when we're talking about, um, you know, the study of teaching, when we're talking about pedagogy and being reflective about our teaching. Um, If I am explicitly feminist in the classroom, um, that word adds another layer of um, work, for better or worse. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's you, you need to choose your terms carefully based on um, what reaction an engagement you're trying to provoke. Um, so same right. thing. So same thing with work-life balance. I think. So um, you're saying work-life balance is a feminist plot. <laughs> it's an agenda. Let's just throw the a word out already. <laughs> 
All these radicals <laughs> with their agendas. So if, I, would it be going too far to say this is part of the gay agenda oh my I keep God. hearing about lately? Oh, my God. Yes, all these things. Ah. Uh, I'm already going to have to cut out this entire episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which means it's golden. Keep it all. Um, yeah. No, I think um, – I don't know if it's just um, certain crowds that I um, am on the fringe of online or what, but what I think of most is um, conversations that are dismissive of parents in particular. Um, uh, This whole idea of mommy wars um, where women, especially women who, whose full-time sort of occupation is child raising and, and, Homemaking, you could say, even though that word too sounds a little out there. Um, you know, sort of having to defend their way of living um, and its merit and its value and its um, level of intensity and all this, um, and how people are quick to dismiss types of work over others, and how that comes up in conversations about work life balance. Um, this happens no matter the profession, but people, certain people will want to insist that certain lives are easier or harder than others. And that's the part of the conversation that frustrates me and Hmm. makes me hesitant to couch a conversation under that phrase necessarily. Um, Because we're Mm -hmm. talking about it today. I think by the end of our conversation, we're going to hopefully, you know, tease out some of these problematic things Mm -hmm. and, and, whatever. and most likely solve work-life balance. I bet we are that and racism. I mean, let's let's sexism. be honest. Like, let's look at our let's look at our track record over the last eighteen episodes. I'm pretty sure by the end of this, this is going to be a done deal. Oh yeah, no, I mean movements will be had. Yes. Yep. So yeah, I think yeah. that was my um, sort of dismissal. There was preempting dismissal. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Interesting. That's kind of a different direction than I was even expecting, but uh, I like it. Yeah. What uh, did you? What did? What so were it's you more, hearing? More than anything else, like your 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 uh, disdain for the concept was disdain for the conversation, the the baggage that goes along with it. Yeah. Not like, necessarily like, for yeah. any specific side of it, just the fact that there would have to be sides. Like if I were to use that phrase. I'm hearing the invisible audience member who says, oh, Katie thinks she's too busy. And it's like the busy Olympics, you know, <laughs> like that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah, oh, that Katie uh, wants the gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, there's there's the there's that 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 side of eye rolling. But there's also the other side of eye rolling who's like, you know. Um, just going to say, yeah, that's life. Shut up. You know? Right, right. Suck it up. Mm-hmm. Get so, to work. So what made you want to dive into this then? Because I'm sure that's not how you feel about it. <laughs> well, it's, I, would hope. I, I, think, I would think, I think maybe in part I was, um, projecting some of, some of my disdain for, for the work-life balance conversation <gasps> on uh... you. Um, and it's not, I, I don't, I don't particularly have, um, I don't have a problem with the concept of work-life balance personally, mm-hmm. but I, I like you, I do have a, a problem with the way it's talked about and it, it kind of shades into, um, there's, there are a couple of classes of, of ways of talking about it, a couple of ways that it comes up that, um, where it becomes a, a buzzword or a cudgel or, you know, it's not being used as, as a discussion point. Um, it is, uh, kind of like feminism in some quarters. It is just a word that's used for the effect of the word. 
not not really because anyone wants to think hard about what the concept means. Right. Um, you know, and that I find super frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's also the other angle that I, I kind of um, I, I made a note to talk about at the time, not not to talk about right then, but a note that, you know, sometime later we should talk about this kind of note um, about the way that people talk about work life balance, because I'm starting to notice in various quarters, the conversation is going in sort of the same direction that uh, uh, time management conversations have <laughs> gone over the last 25 years, which is sooner or later. Um, everyone doing substantial work in the area starts to dismiss and and you know try to get beyond the term. It's kind of like the way like um, a healthy swath of self help books will explicitly say somewhere in their pages that they are not a self help book um, and reject <laughs> the entire concept of self help. You know, yeah. complain about the label. Right. Um, I think I think the first explicitly self help book that I ever read. Um, just, you know, because I picked it up off a shelf and said, hmm, this looks interesting, uh, is a book called uh, Life's Greatest Lessons by Hal Urban. <laughs> and and that one, you know, uh, it's entirely possible by luck of the draw I would pick one that does this. But the very first self-help book I ever picked up does that very thing in its introduction. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I don't really like the idea of self-help. I don't think self-help is a useful term. It doesn't oh really gosh. mean what it, you know. <laughs> uh a, a similar thing has happened with time management in that, like, um, Franklin Covey in their their previous time management course from a, a decade or so ago called Focus uh, would say, well, you can't really manage time. What you have to manage is yourself. Um, in their, in their, more recent, their more recent course, like the current one, The Five Choices, they say, well, it's not about managing time. It's about managing decisions and managing energy and managing attention. <laughs> um, managing attention is a big one. Merlin Mann, when he talks about time management, talks about talks about it in terms of time and attention, not just yeah. time. But he talks a lot about attention management. Um, David Allen in Getting Things Done says it's not about managing time; it's about managing action. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, I think there's there's starting to be a shift where um, people are talking about work life balance and saying, "Well, it's not really about work life balance; <laughs> it's about balancing your roles." Um, which is, I don't think they make that specific comparison in, you know, work-life balance yeah. versus balancing roles. But the five choices, like, does not talk about work-life balance. It does have a lengthy chapter about defining the roles in your life and balancing them. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and David Allen, when he talks about work-life balance, um, it, it talks about it in terms of, you know, it's not so much whether you're in work mode or life mode. It's just, you know, knowing everything you've got going on and understanding that it's all work you have to do. And, <laughs> you know, again, he's he's dismissing this as a conversation that we need to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I, – I, I don't I don't really have a point about all of this except to say that it's very interesting that these concepts um, in, in sort of, you know, self-improvement and, and – um, thought technologies about work for lack of a better term we always seem to come back to this this habit of wanting to dismiss whatever the the you know term du jour is for for the phenomenon yeah um they always seem to get poisoned in this interesting Mm way um which which (laughs) sort of ties back into what you were saying about you know the conversation about work-life balance um, and the baggage yeah. being problematic. Um, so the other thing I'm thinking, um, listening to what what you're saying, I wonder, and I'll have to listen back um, for what the particular <laughs> context was. Um, I'm wondering if the other thing that could have been, I could have been sort of verbally eye-rolling at <laughs> was, uh, for me, the term 
is sort of laughable. And I think you, you might agree with this concept, even if it's true in a different way for you, um, mm-hmm. that it's set up as two categories, right? That like your life does not mm-hmm. happen at work and your work does not happen in your life. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that underscores a lot of – or uh, underlies, that underpins a lot of what David Allen is, says about it when he's you know, saying mm-hmm. there's not life mode and work mode. Like it's all just work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the idea of roles too. I mean that's helpful, um, but a lot of people have a lot more than, than two roles um, mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, and then in my particular position at my um, employing institution – I technically have three distinct positions. I have three different roles that I am um, paid to do, paid to fulfill. Um, and then I'm also a student. And then I also have my quote unquote life outside of those four sort of arenas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so if I really wanted to parse it out, um, there'd be many, many roles. And so the idea of balance does seem very useful um, when I look at it that way. Um, but the reason I would sort of chortle at work life, um, is that that slash especially also suggests that there are ways to separate them, you know, mm-hmm. and this gets it, um, again, maybe this is something I think about more than you do because you have a slightly more traditional structure to your main work, I guess you could say. Um, but the ways that all of my different roles bleed into the others, Um, I think I might've told you this once one time just for kicks because people ask me and I don't know how to answer it. I can't answer it. Honestly, I tried tracking, um, how long I spend a day and therefore into the week, um, how much time I dedicate to each one of my roles, particularly the three at my institution after Mm -hmm. about a week, I couldn't do it. (laughs) It was too hard. (laughs) It was too hard. And it, sure. Sure. Like even as an exercise, just to see, just to document it for a couple of weeks, um, I couldn't do it accurately because of the nature of mm-hmm. my days. Um, and even when I was sort of paying attention to it, it was taking so much slowing down and thinking that I was like, well, at this point, like I'm spending so much time trying to think about what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, okay, right. well, well, do I count the five minutes that I jumped into my other email? Do I count this? <laughs> like, and it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, this totally. is silly. Like, I don't know how to count it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, there's, yeah, you've, you've hit on several things. I mean, one, it's hard to, it's hard to separate these out in, in many cases because, and in your case especially, you know, you've, you you mentioned your three professional roles and student as though those are even separate things. But, I mean, that's all really wrapped up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat right now. One way our, our work lives have drifted back towards each other a little bit this <laughs> summer. Um, I'm currently taking a, a college accounting course. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and, you know, where I, where I work, um, a lot of numbers are made there, let's say. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail, but it is very, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking it specifically for work, except that I am. I mean, this is definitely, you know, a, a a advance my career within the current firm kind of move. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's very different activities. Um, and I'm, I'm paying for one and being paid for the other. And there's all (laughs) kinds of other ways that these things are separate, except for that they really are all one thing. Yes. Oh, that Um, lines up perfectly because I'm paying for my degree, but I, I, teach at my school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Um, and there's a, yeah. there's a line, I'm not, 
I, I can't recall exactly where I encountered this. I, I feel like, like in my memory, it's feeling like a critique of this whole idea of like the different roles in our lives. But mm. I'm pretty sure that where I'm getting it from is probably the book First Things First, which is uh, one of the Covey books. And it talks very heavily about like defining the roles of your life and mm-hmm. making sure they're in balance. Um, but somewhere, maybe that book, someone, someone in the field of time management at some point said something. Um, <laughs> someone has said that, you know, the, the, the thing to keep in mind about roles too, is that, uh, it's not like the work you goes to the office and then the, the mom or dad, you comes home to the kids yeah, and yeah. then the religious, you goes to church. Like all <laughs> of you goes to all of those places. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. All the things. So um, maybe uh, did you want to talk about uh, the incident that you were saying? <laughs> oh, so so we 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 think about these topics a lot, and um, obviously we are invested in them, and we we want people to think. We want other people to think about them too. That's why we um, choose such topics for podcasts. But when people mm-hmm. don't get this stuff, OMG. Ridiculous. Good segue. Mm. Yeah. um, The the specific thing that I had in my notes, even before you mentioned work-life balance a week or two ago, was um, an article that I encountered earlier this year. Uh, So um, on April Fool's Day, which is not a holiday and is stupid, um, (laughs) please, please email Katie if you disagree. Oh, my God. This uh, there's a law firm. Um, uh, its name is in here. I'm pretty sure. I'm scrolling down. To, yeah. I want to shame them. Not that they really needed it at this point. This was is it well Heil? publicized. H e i l. Is that how it's pronounced? I have no idea. Oh, I'm just I, going to the library. I'm or seeing, no, wild. I'm saying wild. W. w. Yeah. W e i l. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say wild. Wild yeah. gotcha. Um, yeah, a law firm. Uh, wild Gotchel and Mangies, LLP. I don't know. Law firm. (laughs) We'll just say law firm. Um, At a a big New York law firm earlier this year, uh, someone in upper management in the company apparently sends out an annual April Fool's Day email. And this year, they decided to send out an April Fool's Day email um, announcing a new email policy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which And the, the, the email's written, you know, it's written in pretty good corporatese um, and even suggests that this program is opt-out, which is the kind of detail that you would have in this program if it were real. Uh, and and it fooled a lot of people initially into thinking it was real. And basically the, the email said, you know, new policy, we're not transmitting email um, on your company account between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. And we're not going to do it on the weekend between 11 p.m. Friday and 6 a.m. on Monday. And when you're on vacation from the day before you leave to the morning when you come back – you're not going to get any email and we'll send an auto reply to anybody who emails you stating who the, your backup is and that you will not be receiving email while mm-hmm. you're out of the office. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's a um, there's a line at the end of it. Uh, so it's a, it's a fairly long email. There's there's several clauses and I'll have a link to the article and to the the email itself. Um, so the uh, the the uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, the second to last sentence of the email is, we are proud to be taking a leadership role in caring about our colleagues' quality of life. 
And of course, the problem is that this this fairly sane. It's actually kind of harsh in terms of you know most even most places that value work life balance don't actually have explicit policies that prevent email from showing up at night, weekends, and on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's you know <laughs> the insane <sighs> thing is that this is an April Fool's Day joke. Mm-hmm. And we are proud to be taking a leadership role in caring about our colleagues' quality of life is in the email that is an April Fool's Day joke. So I read this, and hearing you say it out loud, I was thinking, okay, (laughs) a joke email could end that way if the policy were something like um, the toenail masseurs will be at your desk at 6 a.m. to give you your toenail massage every day. And that's supposed to help um, your psychological state, and it will make you more happy at work and at home. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. We are proud to support quality work-life balance, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's clearly a joke. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, there there are ways this could have worked. I don't I don't think there's any way that would have, you know, I don't think it's worth doing. I think April Fool's Day is stupid, but um Wait, I'm sorry. How do you feel about it? Funny I guess. Uh embittered. <laughs> That's the Sam Eagle. <laughs> is there no dignity? <laughs> no, there is no dignity in April Fool's Day. Um look it up. No. Not at all. You can't spell you can't spell April Fool's Day with dignity. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, correct. I am a haberdasher of English, and that is correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. And it's the, this kind of thing in general, it's like, huh, if they had a culture where, um, I don't know, if they had the opposite kind of culture and they were joking about going to this and saying, haha, just kidding, April Fool's Day. You know, mm-hmm. if, if it was, if it was a place where people didn't check their email nights and weekends and we're not working 80 to 100 hour weeks and uh, they sent a joking email saying, well, from now on, you're going to be expected to. And then at the end, they say, ah, April Fool's, mm-hmm. you know, it's still not funny. <laughs> well, now I'm trying to think of the irony of what if they sent this out at the end of the day and people are like at home or on their way home and checking it. because <laughs> <It's like, laughs> <laughs> I'm reading this on my phone at home. Uh, yeah, that's you true. Know. That's true. How awful. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, um, I think the, the thing that is, is especially bothersome about it is this is something that, I mean, everyone in that firm knows this kind of behavior, not, not the uh, behavior, the same behavior described in the email, but the kind of behavior of receiving and responding to emails at all hours of the night mm-hmm. and on vacation and on weekends. Everybody in that firm knows that that behavior is expected. Almost everybody in that firm probably labors under that as a – it's something they're accepting. It is a, it is a condition of their career there, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it is a burden, you know. Mm-hmm. To almost mm-hmm. everyone there, I'm sure. Like this is yes. this is legitimately something they would like to see changed, and mm-hmm. to joke about that. You know, now we're not really talking about work life balance so much as just corporate communications and <laughs> going back to audience. But yeah, well, I know we've talked <sighs> about expectations before. Exceptionally tone deaf. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and also the idea of boundaries and how much you are in control of your own plate, and how much you are not control mm-hmm. of your own plate. Because um, right. you mentioned, you know, you you may have accepted the position knowing about its intensity, but life for those people would be very different 
if suddenly they couldn't or didn't quote have to check email outside of work hours like that, Mm -hmm. that one in particular, um, fortunately I'm, uh, you know, teaching and I'm sure this is true for all professions now that I'm getting ready to say it out loud. Um, you know, I've been teaching for a few years, but I certainly feel like the learning curve is so steep (laughs) in the first couple of Mm -hmm. years. Um, some, some experiences are trial by fire and it is about, um, trying things and reflecting and, and movement and that's good, but it's taken me a while, but now I'm actually at a better place with, um, email in particular. Um, we've talked before, um, I set, I, I articulate my preferences for things like email communication to my students. Um, some people, I know some people who put policy or not policies, but they, they will say in their syllabi, um, do not expect email replies between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So because right. they've, they've I, had students. I think, I think, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at a college <laughs> where you've got <laughs> procrastinating students not managing their time well and like sending mm-hmm. emergency emails the night before something's due. Right. I could see that being really important. Which happens. And I do get last-minute emails before deadlines. Um, but in some cases, I've had colleagues – who will be emailed just completely angrily and torn a new one by students who could not believe that the professor was not up until the deadline, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe it's a midnight, like how dare you not be available when you put a midnight deadline on this? Like how Mm. dare you not answer my email at 1130 when I still had a chance to turn this in, but you didn't help me, you know? Um, fortunately I've never had anything like that. And I think, um, you know, it would be a sort of anomaly if that did happen to me, just in my experience so far. Um, but there are days where um, I'm either waiting for a situation to resolve or um, trying to think of a good example. So I'll just leave it at that. Like maybe there's there's a day where something has happened during the school day, quote unquote. See, even I say that, like, that's not a thing. The school day is not a thing. <laughs> like some days my school day is, is 10 o'clock when I teach to 10.50 when I'm out of the classroom. Some days my school day is 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Like there is no school day. I don't know why I said that. Right. That's the point. <laughs> uh, probably probably because it's baked into our culture and has been, you know, mm-hmm. since the, the early industrial age that there is a, a set work day. You know, and a wow. a set, you know, a, a elementary and then high school day. Yeah, you know, there is no school day. day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also just spent today with some K through twelve teachers, so I'm probably also in that brain. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, but there are some days where if I'm anticipating something, and but I'm ready to turn my brain off and relax and like stop thinking about school stuff so that I can wind down before bed, you know, stuff like that. I have Mm -hmm. to keep myself out of my email. You know, I will. Oh yeah. Like I'm in my email quite a bit and I manage it quite well. Um, But when I have downtime, I do sort of out of habit, jump in there um, to see what's going on. But that's a problem when (laughs) I'm trying to, to give myself some separation, you know? Right. Right. Well, and, and just talking about, um, 
a lot of the reason that work-life balance is important. I'll link to this in show notes as well. That same, um, so the, the main, um, the main article about this, this law firm joke work-life balance email, uh, it was from a, a blog called above the law. They had another article, um, titled something along the lines of, uh, it's work-life balance is not work fun balance. Um, oh. But talking about how, like, you know, the, this conversation isn't about, like, making sure that your the attorneys in your firm have time to go play golf. You know, this conversation is about your family and your health. Um, huh. And, uh, you know, that's, that's somewhere where – and one of the big problems with the policies being lampooned in this April Fool's, uh, you know, law firm email mm-hmm. is uh, – hey, if you do something like you look at work email right before you're going to go to bed and you see one that gets your brain going, gets you upset or gets you excited or gets you any into any frame of mind except I'm getting ready to go to sleep, <laughs> uh, that's a problem. Yeah. You, know, you, are, you are literally hurting yourself. You are causing health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever we say about, you know, well, life and work are the same thing and it's all blended so we may as well go with it anyhow. Well, that, that's fine. But at that point, you are out of balance. Something's out of balance. Yeah. If I can't fall asleep because I'm playing a conversation over and over in my head, but that's not a helpful exercise. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, totally. Then I should be sleeping and that should be that thought should be somewhere else. You know, whether mm-hmm. that's in my email or back at my office, I need right. to be able to leave it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a dog. Yeah. Leave it. Leave it. Okay, stay. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that too, that that's, you know, why one of the reasons why this is an important conversation, even if we don't like the, the baggage attached and even if one does not like the work-life balance label, uh, it's these topics still matter because – that that exact phenomenon uh, doesn't doesn't self correct in any way. It it self perpetuates mm. and generates more because what's going to happen if you read that email and it wires your brain up and you can't go to sleep? Well, you're going to get a crappy night's sleep, and the next day you're not going to manage your time better because you're going to be tired, right? And your your work is going to spill out into ever more of your time. Mm-hmm. You're going to make an even worse decision the next night about whether or not to look at your email. Yeah, you know it's yeah. it's 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 it cascades. Mm-hmm. Well, and as you're talking, I was thinking of another um, definition for a phrase uh, you explained to me before, job creep. I feel like it's job <laughs> life creep or something. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. It spills into yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah there's, there is a tendency over time um, as it becomes possible. You know, it's, it's one thing um, – I'll I'll cite an example that I mean I don't think it's become a problem for anybody, um, but it's it's you know as I was preparing for this, it's an example from my current job um, that occurs to me as a is a you know uh, it might be an illustrative example of of the way this these kind of wedges work you know where <laughs> you start to not have the balance if you're in a big crunch time and there is an online training program that everyone has to go through for you know regulatory compliance or even just using our new software kind of purposes um but there's no time during the workday well if it's online people can do it from home and especially your your salaried staffers, you know, those who are not paid on an hourly basis, but, you know, who just work as much as, as is needed to fulfill their role. Um, it's not a hard thing to say, well, look, we're in a big crunch time. Make time for this. You know, it's important training. Let's get this out of the way. Yeah. It's very easy to do that once. But once you've done it once, 
what is to stop you from every time there's training, mm-hmm. not worrying about fitting that into your employee's, you know, workday schedule. Yeah. There's that term again, workday. <laughs> um, but instead, you know, just start to expect, well, they've got it at home. They can work on it at home. And then all of a sudden that becomes something everyone's only doing at home. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super interesting. Um, I thought of a couple things there. One is that um, that that sort of thing came up. I went to a conference um, when I was in um, a previous position, which was supporting um, research and all sorts of activities at a, an academic office. Um, but I went to this conference and I was talking to um, people in the session about um, oh, it was about a number of things. Um, but it was sort of about how people in this particular field talk to each other. You know, are they getting their mm-hmm. re- are they getting research from newsletters, or are they getting research from academic journals, or do they get it from email forwards, um, et cetera, et cetera? Um, um, and at one point in the discussion, I was talking about the value of, um, for instance, an academic department at a college. Uh, having data available about how many people visit their website, how many people mm-hmm. open, actually open their email newsletter, um, et cetera, et cetera, to find out how people are getting their information from your department. Um, where do they go for it? Where do they get it? Do you have all the same information in all the same places and all this stuff? Um, mm-hmm. And I got really negative responses from the other academic people in the room. Um hmm. I had one one gentleman who very dismissively said something like, yeah, I hate that bull crap. They require it at my college. And it's like, oh, well, what? I mean, is it not working well for you? Like, is it not helpful, this, the information you're getting from it? And he's like, no, it takes hours and hours to go look up all that, that stuff. I have to report. Mm-hmm. I have to go find that information and report it. I have to go look up page views and go do this. And it, it takes right. me hours every month, and I hate it. Um, so, I mean, there's a number of problems there. Like, obviously, whatever his college's mission with that project was, <laughs> was not translating to value for him. <laughs> which right. is weird to me. I don't know how it could not be valuable. But anyway... Um, well, I mean, there's there, there's a principle in in accounting, actually, which I've just learned, <laughs> um, you know, that that basically says, like, uh, you you only need to report things where the value of the information is greater than the cost to get it. Sure, uh, and, sure. You know, and he, he, I mean, maybe his institution is getting enough value to be worth, and I don't know what, what hours and hours is to him. If it's two hours a month, I'm not that sympathetic. But if it's mm-hmm. 10 hours a week, you know, that's a big problem. Yeah. Probably somewhere in the middle. But is it is it worth two hours of his time for his university for whatever it is doing with that information? Maybe. Is it worth it to him for what he's getting out of it? Maybe right. not. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it's sort of like, oh, well, you you need to do this training we can't pay you for it, so please do it on your own time. You know, but you mm-hmm. have to do it. You can't come back to work without it. That feels similar right. to me, um, right? Well, and, and I mean to be sure, like uh, it's it, you know, in theory at least. And I don't know that any hourly people were told that because that's illegal. But um, <laughs> you know, in the situation, the place that I was working that did that, um, it was it was the salaried 
folk who were being sure. told that. So technically, we all were being paid for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it wasn't that onerous a thing. And like I said, I haven't been in the situation where after that, all training is done after hours. Yeah. And that's just how it's ex- – I'm just saying, like, I, I, you know, when we started talking about this, I that occurred to me as a good example of a wedge because, you know, it was like, well, you know, this time we had an explicit expectation of work we were going to do after hours, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> off the clock to bring back that <laughs> problematic term from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so that's the, the second thing I was thinking of there was um, – this is a conversation that um, I'm on a an email. Uh, oh, I'm on a listserv for Writing Center folk. Um, mm-hmm. And this conversation will come up about, um, you know, when you do this type of activity, how do you schedule it? Where in the academic year do you put it? Um, and do you pay your staff to show up to do this thing? Or is it like extra? Um, you know, so there'll be questions floating around about, oh, I, I've never had to lead training um, do people get paid for training? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and these are, in most cases, they are student hourly workers. Um, that's the vast majority of these type of staff people. Um, or mm-hmm. um, sometimes non-student or graduate student, too. Um, sometimes they are professionals, just hourly paid professionals. Um, but, yeah, that question of is this in the realm of work or is this a party that I personally would like to throw to celebrate the end of the year? You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's a little bit different. That's not a work expectation, but I mean, valuable work maybe in quotes or italics (laughs) does happen there still. Um, Right. But if someone is on the clock in our nuanced usage of on the clock, (laughs) Um, (laughs) what do I expect from them and what should they expect from me? Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that, that whole, uh, I'll refer people back to a previous episode of our podcast that I'll link to in show notes. Um, when we talked about, uh, sort of, sort of how your, your audience perceives you and, and on the clock, off the clock behavior, one way that, you know, our roles bleed together and, and questions of balance are called into question is this modern phenomenon with the internet <laughs> that you are always on the clock in that what you do in public and online, your employer probably has something in their handbook and, and whatever policies you've signed off on saying they can hold you accountable for that, for what right. you do at that time. Right. You know, if, if you are spouting off, uh, racist propaganda on Twitter, <laughs> your employer probably reserves the right to fire you for that. Oh, yeah. If I called out um, a student by name or in any identifiable way, like, that's bad news bears. Like, no. Right. It doesn't It doesn't matter if it's like, you know, say it's the summer and neither of you are taking classes right then. Like, you know, you're not, you're not in school. You're <laughs> out of session. You are off the clock at that moment. Both of you are. But right. if you do it, when you come back in the fall, there's going to be a conversation with your mm-hmm. boss probably. With the, what do they call it, a dean? <laughs> yes, I have one of those. <laughs> yeah. Correct. <laughs> a Dumbledore? Pretty much. Dean Dumbledore. Yeah. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Yeah, there's a um, kind of a... So I was thinking, as I was thinking about, um, you know, talking about this topic, one thing I, I was very conscious of is... Uh, as I said at the beginning, we're going to solve this issue before we go. Absolutely. Um, 
<clears throat> and uh, <laughs> it was so I was I was looking through various sources and and things I've read before and thinking about strategies and solutions and one thing that I was reminded of um, especially thinking about work creeping over into uh, personal life uh, things like this this you know law firm uh, while and associates or whoever um, and their their crazy email culture. Um, thinking about ways to sort of reclaim your time and, and, you know, mm. stake your claim. And I, I, I know that, um, there are a lot of self-help books out there that will tell you things like, well, if you learn to say no, people will respect you even more. And, yeah. and that might actually be true, but at a lot of places like this, I'm guessing, including this law firm, if you say no to this, this is not going to be great for your career unless mm -hmm. you are tremendously gifted in some other area that makes you indispensable. Mm -hmm. um, so there's one one tip. Become indispensable and then do whatever you want. Um, short of that, though, one thing that occurred to me that I think I've mentioned before in the podcast um, is an idea by uh, um, Marcus Buckingham uh, in his book, The One Thing You Need to Know, when he's talking about um, you know one of the keys to, to being um, successful as an individual contributor um, in, in your career is to cut out things that you, you dislike that drain you. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the strategies he recommends for it is to just stop and see who notices. Right. Right. And yeah. I was, I was, I was thinking about that as something to talk about as one way to, you know, kind of chip back away at, at work that is encroaching on everything else or any part of your life that's overreaching its bounds of whatever the line, you know, mm -hmm. dividing line for balance is. Um, but thinking about that, I was reminded of another article, which I just now found is where on the air that I want to bring mm -hmm. up. Um, it's in the New York Times. Uh, Neil Irwin is the author, and he's discussing research by a uh, professor from Boston University named Aaron Reed. Um, and the, the title of the article is How Some Men Fake an 80-Hour Workweek and Why It Matters. Oh, um, and it is about a study at one at a at a consulting firm that has the kind of work culture similar to to Wild, you know, the law firm we were talking about earlier, where people are working eighty hour weeks and more, um, you know, chasing billable hours for clients. Wow, seems like a very similar culture. Uh, but this uh, the researcher, uh, this professor, Erin Reed, her study. Um, she, in interviewing various managers and consultants, discovered that there were basically three groups of people. There were people who were um, embracing the culture and chasing the long hours and doing whatever they could, you know, to get ahead and, and do what the clients needed. Huh. And then there was a second group that openly pushed back and insisted on, you know, lighter, more flexible hours, being closer to home, traveling less. And and according to Reed, they were generally punished in their performance reviews. Uh, um, hmm. But then there's a third group <laughs> basically... <laughs> lies about putting in the hours and chasing the clients mm -hmm. and manipulates the system and and it does their work but also uh you know without telling anybody does go to the um you know they say i'm going to a meeting and they go take their kids to cub scouts oh my gosh you know things like that uh and uh <laughs> it's uh it's it's there's there are a couple problems I have with the article. One of which is the title, which is how some men fake a, an eighty hour work week and why it matters. Um, and it is it is men more than women doing this. But what she found was that thirty one percent of the men and eleven percent of the women um, whose records she looked into were engaging in this third group's behavior. Um, sure. You know, and so it's this is this is not a purely male phenomenon, um, right? Because ten percent is not 
insignificant. No, no. Yeah. If one in if one in ten women in a company, and I, I think in a lot of cases it's probably a fairly innocent. I'm just not telling you where I'm going. You know, it's I've done this before. I say, hey, I you know I got a call, so I'm gonna you know I'll, I'll be available again after three thirty. But the call I'm making is to the mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've done that before. Um, just to take care of business, not all the time, but yeah. you know. And that does say something I think if, about if a lot yeah. of it's if a lot of it's that kind of innocent, um, not really filling in all the blanks for people. That's one thing. But if this is actually people who are deliberately obfuscating what they do, who are lying to their bosses and colleagues right. about what they're doing, if one in ten is doing it, that's pretty significant, right? No, that's super interesting, and it <laughs> just generally it seems to describe types of people in general, not just in this particular type of workplace. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. laughing about like, if you were to pull that out into the abstract, it's like, yeah, like those are types of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. who treat, uh, their, whatever the work is right. Um, in one of those ways. That's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. yeah and it's, um, but, but the reason I bring it up though, is not my, not my problem with the fact that apparently it's the men's fault. <laughs> Absolutely. One in, one in four of the people doing it are women. Can um, we solve men while we're here? I just, I have a lot of uh, issues. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I think we could. I JK, think we could. LOL. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll own it. It's probably men's fault that this place's work culture is like this in the first place. <laughs> um, but still, I'm just saying, <laughs> 11% of the women are also doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh but the this article though um, makes an interesting point, which is uh, this behavior. Which I, I don't blame any of these people for this, because this is probably the only solution they feel they have available to them. You know, it, it mm-hmm. as as Reed states in her research that you know people who openly rebel are punished in their performance evaluations, right? Um, and I would assume in their pocketbook, and, and you know as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with this is it perpetuates the illusion that people can do this. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, there's 31% of men and 11% of women who seem to be in the overachiever work 80 hours a week crowd, but aren't. Yeah. And, and that yeah. allows the entire system to shamble on. Mm-hmm. Right. And that gets into a whole nother can of worms that I think might be beyond the scope <laughs> of this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> which is <laughs> whose responsibility is it <laughs> to change this? Cause <laughs> you know, again, I don't blame anybody doing that. Like right. I, it's not on the shoulders of any of those 31% of men or 11% mm-hmm. of women, you know, yeah. to take on the big boss. Well, maybe here's the, yeah, that made me think of Mario. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> let's take on Bowser. Wah, wah. Um, well, here's maybe the bridge then, because what I'm thinking about is how, you know, if, if here in the final um, part of this discussion we're talking about solutions, quote-unquote, um, I'm thinking about how, I guess, my sort of call for this sort of stuff is um, when, when you are in a position of uh, stability, maybe isn't the right word, when you're in a position of privilege, and you have the opportunity to transparently do things like, I need to step out and make a call. Um, no, it's not the call for the Jones report. It's, um, I need to call about my car. This thing happened this morning, so I need to take care of it. Or the kids mm-hmm. at school and something happened, I need to take care of it. Um, but I'll be right back, and I'm still going to make that meeting in a half hour, so I'll see you in a second. You know, like a transparent, right. um, mm-hmm. you know, a healthy, reactive move. Um like if you're in a position of of, of privilege, I would say, um, 
to where you can model those behaviors and be transparent, um, I think that can do a lot for culture in a group. Um, so I'm thinking about what made me think of this and, and the way I phrased it was that um, I had a colleague in an organization that I participate in um, who is um, a leader in a number of ways. Um, this person actually did step away from the group, even though he is a leader in it um, and has a smattering of duties that help keep the group running in a, in a manner of speaking. Um, he was very nearly burnt out and was, was not working well with people in the group um, emotionally, just not having a good time with anyone <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because he was so burnt out. Not, not for um, anything that couldn't be resolved. It just wasn't, there wasn't time and attention and, and, energy available for it. So, um, he actually stepped away and took some time off, um, which was sort of unprecedented, but not a problem, you know, sort of like, um, uh, what you're citing about, you know, stop doing something and see what happens. Um, in this case, he was being open about it and said, I'm going to step away, um, and come back in a little bit. It'll probably be like this when I come back. No worries. Not about you all. I'll be back you know, um, and that, especially as a young professional, and it it did freak some people out because they, it was hard for them to believe that that was a healthy move and that it didn't show a sign of trouble to come, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and that was, and that was more about them than the, the man, the leader. Um, but like as a young professional, for me, that was such a striking moment. Um, it was very powerful to watch someone in a position of more authority with more burden and more, more of a workload um, do something mm-hmm. for themselves because they knew it would make things better. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I, I think if we're going to draw a general pattern out of it, something I'll say too, um, either either on a micro scale, like just talking about a really busy day or talking about the macro scale of, you know, your whatever position, job, volunteer role. Um, <clears throat> I, I won't say family role in this case, because what I'm about to say, you probably don't want to do in case of your family. But I think in a lot of those cases, just the, the act of actively and completely stepping away for a period of time um, when you're feeling burned out or stressed. Like, it's a good thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Plenty of research on, you know, get up, walk around, take a break at work. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think in a bigger bigger sense, though, like in terms of your year, like if you're – winnowing away your, your vacation time, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're at a traditional job with a vacation time, taking an hour here, an afternoon there, and you never get away for a few days and go do something entirely different, unplugged, disconnected, mm-hmm. uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. And in times of burnout or stress, I, I think like him, that could be exactly what you need to come back to it. But the other thing I'll say too is, um, you know, in terms of, of one of the, the, the big problems with work-life balance, if if we're going to use that term in that one or more of your roles is something you shouldn't even really be doing anymore. <laughs> one of the times you're most likely to realize that is when you stop long enough to catch your breath and yes. look around. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll find, I'll find a book or something I can link to. I think one of Michael Neal's books has a good <laughs> story about somebody doing that, taking a break and realizing like, I don't even like this job. <laughs> well, and I think anecdotally, um, I've heard people say things like, well, such and such broke at work, so I couldn't work on it for a while. 
or whatever. And I can't think of a good example. Like the copier broke. So, so and so had to do my copies for me. Oh, wait, they were supposed to do it the whole time. Why was I doing mm-hmm. my own copying? That's their job. Um, right. You, you know, know, you get a little like perspective and, yeah. and break. You know, you break out of the ruts that you've been stuck in, you know, mm-hmm. and might see see something like that that's not really your your duty or, mm-hmm. you know, and I I, I think any anybody um, who has, you know, just had one of those one of those days where they're grinding on a single thing for three, four, five hours at a time and not in the zone, mm-hmm. but just, you know, working on it because it has to be done. If something comes up and interrupts you and makes you take a break – you know, when you come back to it, you'll you'll have a different perspective, and sometimes that you'll 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 be fresh and you'll have a breakthrough, and the rest will just go and flow and be easy. Sometimes it'll be like, man, what am I even doing this for? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I have certainly had both of those. Yeah, that was something that, as an undergraduate student myself, I was awful about that, and I didn't get it really until like my very last round of finals before I graduated. Um, that that well, and I guess a phrase I haven't brought up, but I think it's in all of this is self care. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I th- totally. I think a lot of what's valuable to us in this conversation is not what most people think of as work life balance. Like you should go golfing. You know, you brought up that earlier. Um, <laughs> right. But it's more like you need to work well and take care of yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like working working too much, letting things bleed into each other and all that, that is not working well. And that's what sort of makes everything toxic. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's kind of an old fashioned, um, and I mean, it still happens today, but an old fashioned notion of work-life balance where, you know, uh, workers are encouraged to get plenty of rest and eat proper nutrition and exercise and go to church and, and be in stable families because it's good for their employer. <laughs> you know, right. you're, you're a good employee if you do that. And I've, I've had bosses that, you know, <laughs> busy times of the year would encourage everybody to exercise and get, get plenty of rest and drink lots of water. And mm-hmm. the subtext was not because this is, you know, it's important that you continue to be alive and in, enjoy your life and, you know, live into your eighties to see your grandkids. The context uh-huh. was, the subtext was, you know, cause we need you healthy and working right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you get sick, you know, you're so going to get there's, everyone there's sick. Certainly that. But at the same time, like if your work is consuming everything to the point where you are not you are not taking care of those things and you are not healthy like you know screw whether or not it's for you or for your employer um if you're working that much it's because you you at some level are choosing to work that much at that job and you're not going mm-hmm. to be able to forever if you don't take care of those things right right like forget about who it's for i mean just just the reality of the situation is is what you're doing sustainable or not and and actually now that we're in the final minutes of the podcast i think i've just hit upon the word i w- would rather frame the conversation <laughs> on rather than work-life balance is what you're doing sustainable mm. Yes. Yes. So I think <laughs> I was just thinking. <laughs> any final words? Strategery. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think yours would be sustainable, and mine would be self care. I think I'll I'll mm. I'll go with that. <laughs> I yeah. like it. I Groovy. Like it. Uh, so Katie, Max, w- what are your current roles? <sighs> Where do I start? <laughs> during the school day or not during the school day? During the work oh, day or, you or not during the work day? All of, all of them that you're comfortable with disclosing. Do you, like, want, you don't have to tell me if you're a Freemason, but... Dude, you really want me to try to list all these? Sure. Yikes. Um, speech coach, <laughs> writing center director, English teacher, uh, PhD student, uh, partner to my lovely husband, 
uh, all my other familial roles, uh, friend, um, volunteer, uh, podcaster, do, 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 do. <gasps> professional podcaster, semi-professional, amateur. I don't know. We'll, we'll work on the adjective later. Um, but I mean, Pro, prosumer, prosumer. Wait, what? Is that a thing? Pros prosumer that's what they prosumer? say about like you know pro prosumer like professional con- combined with consumer like that's oh. somebody who has like a thousand dollar camera and photoshop but it doesn't get paid to take pictures oh i thought it would be like someone who binge watches netflix <laughs> 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 they treat it like it's their job um yeah. yes um feminist buffy fan uh <laughs> exerciser like, person who exercises. Um, I mean, this can get really silly really fast. Oh, it sure could. It sure could. Mm. Okay, how about you? There was, there was uh, a dozen for me. Well, um, as you know, I am a doctor. Um, oh, no! <laughs> this was a setup. You just wanted to do all those in a row. Oh, you don't, you don't even want to know the joke it was actually a setup for. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm, joke threat. <laughs> no. I would say, I would say um, the big ones are going to be... Uh, manager, husband, student, podcaster, um, dog owner. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> podcaster again. Um, yeah. Uh, humanitarian. Ooh. There's, there's, that, there's, there's that thing that Merlin makes fun of where like your Twitter bio is supposed to be like four nouns. Like, right. You know, right. Father, programmer, philanthropist. Coffee lover. Coffee lover. Oh, Diet Coke lover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a sinner. I'm a saint. Wait, let me start over. As you know, I am Meredith Brooks. Oh, my God. And you do not feel ashamed. I do not feel ashamed. Um, Good for you. (laughs) For sure. So did we solve work-life balance? I think we did it. Let's call it a day. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I. T-Y-F-N. Thanks again for listening. All right. Great. <laughs> Enjoy your balance, everybody. High five. Yay. Woo! Nice. <laughs> there were a lot of good options there for cutoff. The show might end four times. <laughs> what is this, a Lord of the Rings movie? <laughs> yeah. So my tabs, I'm, I'm on a different screen now. Um, my, the tab for that New York Times article I was talking about with Aaron Reed's research. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the truncation of the title is How Some Men Fake Un... <gasps> No, it was very strange when you said it because, like, in my brain I was setting up for, like, a fake orgasm joke or something. But I was like, what? What?
Uh, yeah, you know, it could be an article about Tim Ferriss, and then it could be how some men fake a four-hour work week. <laughs> or James Fry and how some men fake books. Mm. Fake memoirs. Um, a million little memoirs. Million little things. Was that was that James Fry? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, great, yeah. great. Yep. I know things. Things. I have, cult- I have cultural literacy. Hashtag reference. <laughs> as as I have as I speak of hashtags, as I've tweeted more than once, I think though about eighty percent of my cultural literacy is just from the Muppet Babies. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs>